everyone, and welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I'm sitting here today with Shelby Presley. Shelby is a former high school English teacher and is now the business owner of Ever Evolving Wellness in Cincinnati, Ohio. She describes herself as a wellness advocate specializing in women and women of color, helping people have the discussion about mental health, personal and professional boundaries, and doing what's best for you. She's also a lover of all things related to travel and self-work. Welcome, Shelby, to the podcast. Thank you so much. That was an amazing introduction. Thank you, Natalie. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you for thank you for being on here, Shelby. It, it, I I got so excited as we were like, yeah, brainstorming the outline for what we we're going to be talking about. And when you sent over to me like the points that you wanted to, to talk about, I parts of me were just like, yay, this sounds so great. So <laughs> I'm excited. That's to super get, exciting. Yeah, That's I'm excited exciting. to get into it. And so, yeah, you used to be an English high school English teacher. Yeah. And so do you care to share with the listeners what made you make that transition away from that into what you are now as a wellness advocate? Absolutely. So I don't think this is a a story or a, you know, an intro, if you will, that is different from a lot of educators that are maybe still in the education game, like I like to call it. But uh, for me, it was truly making the decision to do what was best for me. Um, you know, it's no secret teachers go through a lot, even before the pandemic, right? I just think the pandemic just really um, shined a light on what it's like to be an educator or just within the school system making, you know, quick changes and having to still, you know, bring your best self. Um, unfortunately for me, I wasn't getting the support I needed from leadership. Um, I kind of felt very siloed, um, just out there on an island and just kind of waving my flag for someone to assist me. And I wasn't getting that. And what I realized was in order for me to be the best educator, to be the best motivator, I needed to do some inside work. And that inside work was happening in real time, but it was still not where I wasn't where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. And so I did make the difficult decision to leave from teaching in the classroom to do some inside work to see, to, to really discover Shelby, if you will. You know, it's interesting. I always tell people we do so much research on other people. We do research on celebrities and people from the past, but very rarely do we research ourselves. Yeah. You know, we can be historians of everything under the sun except ourselves and mm -hmm. I wanted to be that historian about myself because nobody knows me better than me. And I needed to do that. And so that's what I did and what I've been doing. And it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> yeah. I love, interesting. What, I love what you just said of like, be your own historian, right? Because yeah. you're right. No one knows ourselves better than ourselves because we are us. And if we put all this time and energy into learning and studying about other people, which is interesting, right? I mean, learning about history and all of that is great. And are we not, are we taking the time to do that inner work to turn inside and get to know the parts of who we are, as well as the history 
of our life, but also the history of our ancestors' life, right? Because all of that can have an impact on who we are in the present. So I love that. That makes so much sense to me. And that takes a lot of courage on your end. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't, so I don't want to make it seem like, you know, I wasn't, you know, scared out of my, you know, you know what, like I was terrified. Right. Um, But I also knew, well, I I just had a sense of trust. I knew I needed to trust the process. Right. Um, And, you know, it doesn't go without fear, but, you know, you do have to sometimes take steps in fear um, to make something shake. And Mm -hmm. that's what I did. And it's really been uh, beneficial. It's been an amazing discovery to see what's unfolded and the things I've learned along the way, not just about myself, but just about wellness, um, what wellness entails. And then also to learning more about mental health and truly what it looks like for specifically women of color, because I am a woman of color. And mm-hmm. there are some, you know, disparities when we talk about healthcare, but more specifically mental health. Uh, there's still a lot of stigma. We're starting to see in real time that it is starting to dismantle, but it's still there. And it doesn't come without um a lot of hesitation, right, mm-hmm. to talk about or, you know, ease into. So I want to be that person. I want to be that kind of wheel, if you will, to let people know that it's okay to talk about these things because they're real. And if you don't talk about it and give it a voice and a name, then it just continues to stay stagnant. It's like a really funky smell, right? right. <laughs> Everybody smells it. You know, nobody wants to say they dealt it, but it's like it's here, right? <laughs> right. And like we need to discuss it so we know that mm-hmm. it's okay and that it's real. And I just kind of feel like the universe has given that job to me and I take it and, uh, you know, with due privilege. And I'm really pow- proud to be that beacon to be able to, you know, discuss it. That again, I just, the word that just keeps like, popping in my brain is like, you're so courageous. You're so courageous because it is such (laughs) a huge, it's a huge thing to take that leap to number one, like quit a job, you know, as a quote unquote, you know, kind of stable job as (laughs) teaching, you know, and, and then to, to follow that, that calling that you're feeling within yourself of what you were being called to do, which is to help talk about mental health. And to talk about it specifically with women of color, like you were saying, and helping that stigma of talking about this kind of stuff disintegrate a little bit more and more and more. So, yeah, I I just have a lot of respect for your courage energy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, like all things, right, Um, especially things that are new, there's you know, um, there's fear, there's, you know, sometimes discouragement, but I've been one of those individuals that has kind of leaned into it a little bit, even when it feels weird, because you don't know unless you know. And I like to know. I'm a lover of knowledge. I'm a lover of all things um, information-based. So for me, in order to see what it's like on the other end, I needed to lean into that uncomfortableness and really do do my due diligence of finding out why I was feeling the way I was feeling, number one, and to get really to the root of it. 
Because yeah. I think a lot of times we can put a name to something, but we can't figure out the root of it. And that's really kind of been my journey, you know, um, and to my own wellness. You know, I can talk about mental health very, um, you know, directly and poignantly. I was diagnosed with depression when I was 19 and anxiety when I was 31. I'm 37 now. And what I've learned is a lot of times we know something is wrong with us, but again, because of stigma, maybe because of, you know, cultural difference, you know, I always tell people and kind of to your point, I hear from people all the time, like, you know, that's so courageous, that's so brave of you. But that voice in the back of my head still was saying, you know, don't talk about that. That is not what people want to hear. Because again, as a black woman, especially the way I grew up and, you know, for a lot of black men and women, we don't come from the sector, the, the area of talking about what's wrong with us, because mm -hmm. that brings two issues. It brings uncertainty and it brings you possibly not having opportunities. Mm. Right. And that comes from I mean, that's history just, you know, coming up. But there's some truth to it. Yeah. So even in real time, when you are struggling, you never want to let somebody see you sweat. And mm. that's something that was poured into me. But what I learned on the flip side is that that's not doing me that that's not helping me at all. I'm literally suffering in silence. And if nobody knows, then how can I get the help and the resources that I need? Right. Right. And so I had to battle what I was taught, what, you know, the, the elders, mm -hmm. you know, in the family had poured into you, what everyone around you had said, you know, uh, if you do have listeners that are of color, I'm pretty sure they've heard these very poignant statings um, or statements, you know, uh, sweep that under the rug. Um, what happens in this house stays in this house. Don't you be telling nobody they're going to think you crazy. Like all these different statements were flowing through my head yeah. because I'm still a professional. I still have to make a way for myself. But in that, I'm not being true to myself because I knew something was off. Right. And uh, I had to do the work to find out what that was and, and where that came from and the tools that don't necessarily look like everybody else's to do what was best for me. Because mm -hmm. wellness isn't cookie cutter, right? right? What works for me, is it going to work for you and vice versa? So I had to find the different things that worked for me to make me better. And that's yeah. really what I share with other people. That's so great. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we were wanting to dive into in our conversation was kind of this broad question of like, what is wellness? And, yeah. you know... <laughs> And I would love, yeah, to dive into that and to hear what is it like from Shelby's perspective, what is wellness and why is it so important? And I, and again, I, cause I, you know, even the name of my podcast is that wellness podcast. And I chose the word wellness specifically because it is so broad. Yeah. So I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Let's get into what is wellness. Absolutely. So from a more formal standpoint, um, there are eight pillars of wellness. 
And, you know, I talk about that all the time, but in regards to kind of how I talk to people about wellness and how I define it, I think of wellness as like a buffet, right? For anybody that's been to a buffet, like, you know, old country buffet or, you know, anything like that, I think of wellness as a buffet. And when you enter this buffet, there's all these different goodies, right? There's all these different options. And you, as a whole individual, get to decide which one of these delicious entrees, these delicious side items is going to fill you up in the way you need to be filled. And so for me, that could look like hiking or meditation or even just doing my dishes, right? But for somebody else, it could look like therapy, you know, counseling. It could look like, Um, taking a sabbatical away from social media. There's so many different options in regards to wellness, but truly at its core, wellness is what assists you in your day-to-day to be the best you you can be. That's truly what it is at its core. Mm -hmm. And it's never going to look the same. And here's why, because as we learn, we grow. When you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think a lot of times we beat ourselves up and we say things like, ah, oh, damn, I should have known that or I should have made a different move. Well, you didn't know at that time. But the beauty is, is that, you know, now. So should it come up again or the next thing come, you're going to make a better decision. Right. That's wellness. Making sure that you're not harping on yourself about something you didn't know or a mistake, a, a perceived mistake, mm-hmm. right? Wellness is truly evolution. It's, mm. and that's why I named my business ever evolving wellness, because we as humans, we are ever evolving. Who you are today is not who you're going to be next week, six months from now, five years from now, we evolve. And as you evolve, you know more. And if you know more in hopes of yourself, you make better decisions and what best aids you. And so truly, like I said, at its core, wellness is that buffet and you're picking the things that best work for you in the moment that you need it. Right. And you mentioned the eight pillars. What are those eight pillars? So off the top of my head, financial, spiritual, social, emotional, nutrition, intellectual, environmental, my head mm-hmm. is spinning on the eighth one. No, the seventh. <laughs> I'll, the eighth one will come to me in a second. My apologies. Um, but, you know, when we look at these different pillars, right, the most, all of them are important. But if you look at them on kind of the wellness wheel, and anybody can look this up online, when you look at kind of the wellness wheel, all of these play off of each other. One of the things I talk to people about all the time is the financial piece. Because I think that kind of escapes people like, how is financial wellness? Well, if we look at the pandemic and we look at how quickly things happened, people were furloughed, people were laid off. You know, some people went from, you know, working five days in an office to, you know, going down to three days, like all these different things. Some people took a real heavy financial hit. Mm-hmm. And if you were somebody that was just living paycheck to paycheck, not really focusing on saving or, you know, being mindful, 
right, of your finances, you learned very quickly, right? You learned very quickly that the financial piece affected your relationships, right? Right. It affected how you communicated Mm -hmm. with people. It even affected how you fed yourself. Fitness. That was the next one. Fitness. Eighth one. Told you to come to me. Fitness. There you go. Um, So all of these different ones affect each other, right? Nutrition affects you. If you aren't imbibing imbibing and taking in the nutrients that your body needs, it's going to affect the way you sleep. It's going to affect, you know, or even maybe elongate other illnesses that you have, like all these different pillars affect one another. And so it's really important that we pay attention to all of them. And again, not all at once, but every once in a while, take, you know, take a beat and pay attention because your nutrition could be off, which is affecting your fitness, right? Right. Your emotional could be off which is affecting your intellectual, how you communicate with people. Yeah. And, you know, there's more and more research coming out, even just the huge connection between the gut and our brain, right? And how, yeah, like what we're eating, if certain foods are really inflammatory to our gut system, it's going to be inflammatory to our brain and to the rest of our body. And that's something that for me personally has been, you know, a journey, a continued journey for me is this kind of figuring out like, what are the foods specifically that maybe lead to me feeling certain like physical symptoms, like in my body, like the next day, which like you said, could then impact how I feel physically. And like, then do I want to go to take a walk or am I feeling more sluggish? And then that could lead to then emotionally me feeling maybe a little bit more anxious or just down and fatigued. And yeah, so I, I, I agree with you that those eight pillars, they all are connected to each other and they all impact each other. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting, you know, whenever I bring up the nutrition piece, I think that's the one where people like clutch their pearls, Oh and, yeah. you know, and again, that's not saying like, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm not sugar shaming anybody. I have the biggest sweet tooth. Never take me to a bakery. It's going to be a problem because (laughs) I love baked goods, right? And, you know, that's not saying like, don't treat yourself to, you know, pizza or Big Mac or whatever you like, Mm -hmm. but being cognizant of how much you're eating and not just how much, but how often, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are you incorporating fresh veggies and, you know, uh, fruits in your diet? Are you drinking enough water? Sometimes people, there's research, as I know, you know, there's research that shows that a lot of times when people think they're hungry or their stomach is growling, they're really thirsty. Exactly. Yeah. You ain't had not a bit of H2O in your body and your body is screaming for some water, right? right? Which affects your skin. You know, mm-hmm. you're the biggest organ you have, your skin, the, the protector of all things is literally drying in from the inside out, but you're taking Red Bulls to the face. Like (laughs) you're literally, you literally have no hydration. Right. And so, you know, we joke about it, but in real time, it's also affecting other organs Mm -hmm. that affect how you are able to work. It's affecting how you sleep. Like all these different things are playing off of each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think when we, again, look at that wellness wheel, and there's an activity that I do with a lot of groups to shade in their wellness wheel and to see if their wheel 
is, you know, is their wheel um, in balance or is this wheel going to fall off the truck? Right. And if you find that one piece of the wheel is, you know, kind of shorter than the other, then you need to take a beat and see what you need to do to make that wheel whole again. You know? Yeah. That makes so much sense, especially when you describe it like a wheel. And if it, I'm envisioning like a pie chart, Mm -hmm. right? right. And then like, if, yep. if one of those pies, like you said, is shorter or smaller than the other ones, if it was literally like a wheel, it would be really bumpy and absolutely, you know, and you gotta look at turbulence. it like, absolutely. And I use a lot of symbolism, but you know, you got to think of it as a destination. If you're trying to get somewhere and you're entrusting this wheel, i.e. you to get you there and it's all discombobulated. You're either you're going to get there, but it's going to be a real tough ride. Right. Or it's so completely dismantled that you'll never get there because you don't have the right tools. Mm. Right. To get there in real time. And so, yes, it is like a pie chart. It's like a wheel. And I think it's important to kind of look at that from time to time to see which part of the wheel needs a little more focus then maybe another. And again, this doesn't happen all at once, all at the same time, but it does need to happen every once in a while for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think of it just too, is like, uh, I've been hearing a lot more about people talking about values, right? And how it's important for us to take time at various points in our life to reevaluate, like, what are our values? And I, because it changes, It, it shifts and changes just like, like you're saying, these little pieces on this wellness wheel at some points in our life, we might be really in aligned and balanced with some of these things and out of alignment and out of balance with others. And that's going to shift and change. So having that self-awareness and that ability to take some time to pause and to turn in is really important, right? Because otherwise, if we just keep going, 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 maybe like being blended with parts of us that are like, okay, I just got to keep pushing. Nope. Let's sweep it under the yeah. rug, you know? And, and those are parts, right. That like you were saying before can come from an IFS, we would call like legacy burdens, cultural burdens. Yeah. Yes. You yes. know, like these messages yes. that we've just been given mm-hmm. down the family line, because mm-hmm. at some point it had to be there, right. Like to some extent of like, no, maybe in the past, like an ancestor was like, no, we have to sweep this under the rug right now, because if yep. we show it, we will not be able to literally maybe survive. Yes. But to have any opportunity, right? So yes, it was this res- this part that had to do that. But at the same time, it was coming from a burden place, right? Because yes. it wasn't coming from an IFS, we would call like that self. They call it the eight C's, which is funny. There's like the yeah. eight parallels of wellness and yes. there's the eight yes. C's of self, you know? And, and, and I, so, you know, when you, and so again, you know, when you think of numerology, eight is a very powerful number, right? So that does not surprise me, but yeah, you touched on something, um, you know, culturally and, you know, kind of generationally, um, you know, a lot of people, I think kind of sleep on the fact and the truth of generational trauma. That is a real thing. Oh, absolutely. Right. Um, And especially, you know, coming from a Black family, when we think of the history of Black families, there's a lot of trauma 
You know, I was able to trace my family back on both my mom and my dad's side. And, you know, that helped me learn a lot as to, you know, fast forward me, some of the things that I didn't really understand that in real time I was working through. So when we talk about, you know, women, obviously women have always struggled a little bit more than men, but you add being a black woman onto that. Oh my God. Right. It's like you right. got two strikes against you. You're a woman and you're a black woman. Yeah. So for me, when I look at the women of my past, like my Nana, my great grandmother, her mother, it was about survival. Mm-hmm. Right. There was no opportunity. There was no one to share your innermost feelings with or your fears. Right. Because out of the fear of somebody using that against you or out of the fear of if this information were to be known, would we possibly lose our um, way to make a living? So there were so many different factors that were focused on that couldn't be divulged. And so fast forward now to me, I do very much feel like I am doing not just my work, but the work of those before me that didn't have that. So I do often feel like I'm carrying the torch of those before me because they didn't have that opportunity. And does it get hard? Absolutely. Right. But I would be remiss if I didn't say that, you know, I have an opportunity that others before me didn't. And so it's with privilege right, that I do step into this and talk about it. And again, not just for women of color, but all women, because we all have things, right? Mm -hmm. We all got ish, right? Right. We all got ish. Um, But I believe that we have to do our due diligence to find out what that is. Even when we talk to our parents, you know, I remind people all the time, your parents were whole humans before you came along. Right. Mm -hmm. And though we may not always like um, and agree with who they are, what they do, we got to kind of find out why, because Mm -hmm. I think in that it allows us to have just a little bit of grace, not saying you have to condone their behavior. Right. That doesn't even mean you have to allow them to be a part of your lives, but it does allow you to better understand. And for me, the better understanding has allowed freedom. Yes. Because I'm not holding on to anything. Exactly. And yeah, that someone that I respect a lot in IFS community and Cinco, she was my lead trainer, my level one. She specializes in legacy burden energy. And yeah, I took a course with her and she encouraged us to do a genogram, which is where Mm, you do your family tree. Right. And then, (laughs) And then you like, but then it goes deeper of, you know, you do your family tree as far back as you're aware especially looking at like, at least like your nuclear family and then, you know, your parents and then their parents and to see, and then you write down under each person's name, like their, their strengths, maybe their growth edges, things that they struggled with, hardships, traumas. And you just, you do that to kind of see the big picture, right? Like from a bird's eye view. And then you start to like circle the things that resonate for you also in your life. And you start to see the patterns, you start to see the shared, uh, you know, like for, 
for me, I saw, you know, like anxiety and, yes. and, and, yes. and things like that, that is shared within the family line. And then you also see the gifts though, too, right? You want to also acknowledge the heirlooms of the, yeah, these strengths that have also been passed maybe within your family that you also hold. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the word privilege was also running in my mind when you, yeah. before you had just said that of like acknowledging the privilege of yeah, having the the safety to be able to pause, right? Yeah. And to be able to do that inner work and to turn in and then to acknowledge the different maybe imbalances or things that you're noticing within yourself that could use some some extra care and attention. That's a privilege, right? It and is. especially for like you were saying, the history of, you know, people of color, especially in our country, I mean, that wasn't a privilege. <laughs> that was it, not it was a privilege. Not, right. You know, right. like you said right. it was about survival. It was about survival for so long. And especially like you were saying for women, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at like the history, right. Of just for women in general, in terms of like psychology, Absolutely. Oh, oh gosh, you yes. know, everything, yes. you know, hysteria, it, yes. <laughs> like, like, Oh, yes. she's showing emotion. She's hysterical. Right. 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 And Get and, everybody to the yeah. council. She's crying. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, it, you're right. It's just, you have to, but kind of, sorry, going back to the, the genogram thing Anne would say, she was like, it's so helpful to know the story. Yeah. It's so helpful to know the story of our history of our families to have some compassion and better mm. understanding rather than being blended with these parts of us that maybe are holding resentment, you know, in some ways, yes. Yes. Like, to, like towards our parents or caregivers. And that's or- something I can totally identify with because I did hold resentment, right? Like, why is this showing up? Why is this? Why, why do I have this attribute? Why? And again, once I began to dig a little bit deeper not just in family, but just in myself, I realized that a lot of times it wasn't even me. It was something coming up from somebody else. Exactly. Right. It was something coming up from somebody else. And then once I dug deeper in the family, I was able to correlate the two like, oh, okay. Right. And truly what it did was it was like, it was freeing. Yeah. It was freeing because I was able to acknowledge it and realize that it wasn't necessarily mine. I was though given the work to work through it because somebody else wasn't. Exactly. You know, and that in itself is a privilege. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a totally I and that's how I feel as well when I have been doing my own personal work, specifically with IFS and finding within myself what has been these burden energies that yeah have just maybe been given to me based on you know family line and history and all that it is very freeing for the system of me to have that realization of like oh wait a minute like this this piece of this isn't even maybe mine to carry exactly and i don't have to carry necessarily like the burden energy that can be released which invites so much more spaciousness and freedom to then access like courage and clarity and confidence and calmness yes. and the things you know, that are going to elevate you the yeah. things that are going to get you to the next level whatever that looks like mm-hmm. right um and then also too the things that are yours 
learning how to let those things go because it's not serving you. Right. You know, we as women in particular, we hold on to things that no longer are for our highest and greatest good. Right. Um, we hold on to, you know, resentment and anger and frustration and all the ills and, you know, malarkey that people have placed on us. And again, not condoning the behavior of others, but you do got to stop and take a beat and say, well, wait a minute, what is it? How is it serving me to hold on to this? Mm -hmm. Because whoever did the ill is not thinking about you. Right. Right. They, they they are not thinking about you. You are not at the forefront of their mind. It's not a tee hee hee session like they're not thinking about you. So why are you allowing this energy, this to live rent free in your body, in your spirit, in your mentals? Mm -hmm. Because by doing that, it's almost like a universal pulse. Right. You're telling the universe for all the blessings that could come in. Mm, I'm not going to take that because I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to hold on to this trash, right? Mm -hmm. Because by holding on to this trash, I am somehow taking power back. When in reality, you're not. The power is letting it go, acknowledging what it did to you, how it made you feel, mm -hmm. right? But then also in turn, thanking it. Thanking it and saying, you know what? Dig, that was so messed up. It was so messed up, but I thank it because I'm able to see that this doesn't serve me. This person, this situation, this place no longer serves me mm -hmm. so I can let it go and in hopes of welcoming something more. Right. And that truly comes with, I think, maturity. And then also realizing too, that we have to take inventory, just like you take, you know, inventory and appraise jewels you got to do that with people places and things mm -hmm. i share that with people all the time if you're not taking inventory of the things in your life at least once a year then you were doing yourself a major disservice because you may end up finding that these things people situations ain't worth ish and so, so when you say right and when you say like take inventory of those things would you say an example for you would have been like when you were a teacher and, Absolutely. Okay. And like, that was like a moment for you of like taking inventory of a place literally that you were in like day to day of being in Absolutely. this high school, being in this job and realizing for you, this isn't serving me. Absolutely. I had to take inventory of the place, the people, the situations, nothing was pouring into me. Nothing was filling my cup, right? And as difficult as it was to make that decision to leave it, I knew that if I didn't, I would be doing myself more harm. Yeah. And you also talk a lot about creating boundaries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we talk more like can we talk about what that means? Oh, for sure. You know, boundaries, I think for a lot of people is scary. I, I, again, was not a child, a young, a little person that grew up with boundaries. I was a little person like most little people. You did what the big people said. Mm -hmm. And the whole time in your little mind, you're like, wait a minute, the stuff these big people are doing makes no sense whatsoever, but I got to rock with it because I'm a little yeah. person. Once you grow up, you then have the opportunity to say, wait a minute, I don't like this. And here's why. 
I think boundaries becomes really scary for people because I think that it has a, a negative connotation that means that you're pushing something aside or you're pushing something away. And that's not the case. Truly what boundaries are, it's to protect you. It's a statement of, I don't appreciate or like this, but also if this boundary is crossed, here's what's going to happen because you can't have a boundary without some type of recourse, right? Because yeah. here's the thing. If you share, like if I share with you, Natalie, when you say X, Y, Z, it makes me feel this way. And you're like, I got it. I, I, I won't, you know, let that happen again. Let's say two weeks later, it happens again. All I did was state to you that I didn't like it. I never created the boundary nor the consequence. And so mm. without having the consequence, these things will continue to happen, mm. right? And I think for a lot of people, especially family and friends, and also as you're working on yourself, when you begin to grow, I think it's difficult for a lot of people to see the new, the, the new you emerging yeah. because they're so familiar with the original you, mm -hmm. right? And so, so one of two things will happen in the boundaries, right? And the consequence, either people will respect it, right? And rock with it, or they'll continue to do what they've always done. But then the ball is in your court. You get to decide if you want to, you know, continue on in that relationship or if you want to back away from it. Right. And when you create a boundary, whether that be personal or professional, it has to come from a place of true candor, but also love, mm. right? Having a boundary needs to come from love. It's not to scare somebody off or an ultimatum. It's truly to let them know that something is affecting you, why it's affecting you. And here's the consequence if it happens again, mm. because I care about myself to not allow it to happen again. Right. And you're right in saying that, uh, you know, a consequence of setting boundaries can be, you know, this understanding like like you had mentioned to me before in one of our conversations, like not everyone is meant to travel with you yes. on your journey. Right. They because, And I see this in, well, I've felt it in my own personal life, but I've also seen this of course with clients that I work with where they begin this inner journey of healing and wellness within themselves. And as they're doing that parts of them that maybe they had parts of them that maybe have been running the show for a long time, maybe they yeah. were people pleasing, you know, yes. people pleasing or that's a huge one. Yeah. Like not setting any boundaries, you know, as those start to fall back and give more space and transform into something different to give more space for, yeah, that confidence and self-energy of uh, courage and all of that people around them, right? Like you were saying, friends, family relationships may have parts of them get activated in response to you making those changes, even though they're good for, the, even though they're for the best of you, yeah. these other people around you aren't maybe used to that. And then mm -hmm. that can activate them and maybe being like, what's wrong with you? You're acting different, you know, and, and yeah. then that gets confusing, right? Because then you're like, well, and wait, that's like the famous line, the famous line that I heard, especially in me changing was, Girl, you acting real brand new. You were acting so brand new, right? 
And at first it was kind of a mind freak, right? Like I'm like, well, wait, I'm, I'm not. But in reality, what it was that they were not accustomed to the me that I was becoming. Right. And so rather than to learn this new me, it was easier to keep the old me because it made them feel comfortable. Exactly. Right. And people want to feel comfortable. And they didn't feel comfortable with the new me that was emerging. Again, that hasn't that had nothing to do with me. Right. That was their own ish. Right. And so I had to be able to distinguish between the two. And so, you know, again, that boundary um, truly and again, even the professional realm, you do need to have boundaries professionally. Mm-hmm. Right. You do need to have boundaries with management or leadership or your colleagues, because very quickly you could become the go to person. But things that you have no idea that you were the go to for. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I can speak to that very candidly. And that was because I didn't know how to say no, right? I was afraid to say no because no has become this ugly word, Mm. right? No has become this this curse word. And truly all no is, is stating, because it's a statement, that you are not going to do something. And and it's a full and complete sentence. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, as women, we often feel we have to give an explanation as to why. And you don't. You right. don't. If you say to me, you know, Shelby, uh, let's go get ice cream. And I say, no, not today. Why? Because no. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because no, right? right? And so it can be that simple, but we have to practice that. It is not something that happens overnight. It's not mm-hmm. some, you know, miraculous thing. It does ha- it does take practice. Oh, yeah. But once you get the hang of it, once again, that freeing, that, that, that door that you've so, you know, held on to, you release it because you realize that that's not something for you. Right. And that in itself is wellness. Yeah. That's wellness. I don't know how many times I've, <laughs> you know, been writing an email back to someone who's asked me to do something for them. And I'm just like, no, but I'm in the midst of writing this like huge explanation. And then I like, I, yeah. there's a moment because I'm blended with a part of me right in that moment. That's like terrified that if I just give them the simple statement of, no, I'm not going to do that. Or I, I, yeah. I can't that there's like this fear behind that, right. Of like, oh yeah. my gosh, they're going to reject me or shame me or something like yeah. that. So it's like this part of us feels like, I think, especially as women too, like, yeah, oh, we have it's to a give gender this- release thing, you know, as girls, young girls, you know, we don't, we're not necessarily given that opportunity to say no, mm-hmm. to say no to, you know, where, how we spend our time, even the people we talk to. Um, there was a really great article that I read a couple years back that, and I can't remember her name, but she talked about how she used to always feel super uncomfortable around this uncle. And every time this uncle came around, go give uncle so-and-so a kiss on the cheek. And like every part of her just felt icky, mm-hmm. right? Just, to, you know, and she realized at that moment that her boundaries, even as a little person, were being crossed. Right. Because it wasn't that she didn't say no. It's just her voice wasn't being heard. Mm-hmm. Right. Her voice, what her voice wasn't important enough to be heard. And 
as grown women, sometimes we see that, that our voices are either, you know, muffled or just not listened to. But that no is a complete sentence. I am under no requirements to give you an explanation. Right. Right. But, but you're right. I think as young girls, especially as women, yeah, as girls where it's kind of this, even not so much overtly always a message, but covertly, I feel like in our society, this, this message, underlying message of, okay, yeah, smile, nod, and just yeah. do what you're yes. asked, you know, even if you yes. don't want to just be polite and do it. And then Yeah, shake your hands, you know, smile, turn that frown upside down, you know, all the things that we have heard and still hear. I was in the grocery store and I heard somebody say that um, to a little girl, turn that frown upside down. And it took everything in me, y'all, to not flip out like (laughs) no, off about something. And rather than ask her what was wrong Mm -hmm. or why she was upset or bothered. Right. You told you told her to turn her frown upside down. Yeah. You know, not realizing, you know, from a psychological standpoint, what's what what's that saying to her? Exactly. Right? What what is that saying to her? Um, so yeah, it's it's something that is a learned behavior. It doesn't come overnight, mm-hmm. but truly it is a gift once you get it and you start to put it in practice for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. And you also mentioned giving yourself grace as maybe you shed old habits and learn, you know, maybe this new version of yourself that would you say maybe has always been underneath all of it. But like as the old, we would say, in, you know, in IFS again, it would be like parts of us that maybe had to be in certain roles because of various things we learned in childhood or generational traumas, things like that. There were these parts that had to be in those roles, which, but they kept going and they kept persisting, which then was creating a negative impact eventually in our adult life. And so as those maybe old habits and parts are kind of, again, like transforming or stepping back or shedding, like you were mentioning, like having grace, having grace for that time. And absolutely. Yeah. I think having grace is so, in my opinion, it's the biggest piece of wellness because as you learn new things, you're going to stumble, right? It's just like learning to ride a bike or learning anything else. You're not going to be an ace at it in the beginning. So you have to give yourself grace. You have to give others grace as they learn the new you you're becoming, right? Now that doesn't mean, you know, let's say if you set a boundary and they keep crossing that boundary, you could give a chance after chance. Absolutely not. But it does mean that as you are growing and becoming something new, that you don't beat yourself up because you don't have everything figured out. Um, And I think a lot of times, again, as women, we do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I work with, um, you know, older women that are, you know, transitioning into retirement or, you know, women who were going into their 40s, like I'm going into my 40s. And, you know, I heard someone say not too long ago in a coaching session that, I should know this by now. I keep making the same mistake. I should know this by now. And I said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not about to play that game because literally what you're saying is you are dismantling yourself. Literally by saying that you should know something that you didn't know. 
you're learning it. You're in the process of learning it. So give yourself grace and also give yourself the big ups and the applause that you need for one, acknowledging that you don't know, because there are so many people walking around blissfully ignorant oh, and yeah. ish that they know but choose not to put into action. So give yourself the applause and the appreciation for one acknowledging, but the grace that you have not gotten the full Monty of the lesson yet. And that's okay. Yeah. So by giving yourself grace, you're still actively learning, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not beating yourself up in the process because you don't have every, you know, I dotted and every T cross. That's counterintuitive. Like that, that doesn't work. It actually makes you feel worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel worse. Well, it's the shame cycle, right? You know, and that doesn't shame never leads to anything healing. It just leads to more shame. So it is it's it's acknowledging the part within us that is shaming another part of us that maybe did make a decision or did not do something that in which this other part of us is like, oh, you knew better. Why did you do that? Or why did you not do that? Right. And that's shame. And so it is it's like it's bringing awareness to that. So you don't get caught in that shame cycle. Absolutely. And then you give yourself that grace and that compassion, right? Like you were saying. Because the shame cycle is the worst cycle to like even be a part of. Yeah. Because once you're in the shame cycle, it's really hard to get out of it. It's like the spinning wheel. And then you find more things to be shameful for. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's really important that you give yourself grace as you're learning because Mm -hmm. you are learning as you go again you're ever evolving and so if you're ever evolving this is the way i think about it if you're ever evolving then you know that the lesson you learn today can be utilized later because you're going to learn something new later right mm-hmm. like that one lesson isn't it right. you know there isn't some mountaintop of knowledge that you'll reach and all will be well no if if you've stopped learning then you're dead yeah. <laughs> like seriously, like the, like don't right. like, like don't even punch the clock, my friend. Like you're done. You know? Um yeah. so yeah, it's it it gives you the opportunity to let go and not hold yourself to some unrealistic turning point that one doesn't exist and two you may never get to. Yeah. Right? It just mm-hmm. allows you to continue to go and grow. Yeah, I love that. Go and grow. And you also, you know, talk about taking the time to find the right guide, healer, therapist, coach, you know, for you, right? Because it's not like you were saying a one size fits all. There's so many different types of people out there that do things a little bit differently and but ultimately are there for your healing journey. Any, yeah. Anything you want to mention about that? Yeah. In my own wellness journey, you know, I do have a therapist. She's amazing. It took me forever to find her. But when I started on the journey of, you know, going to therapy, um, and this was some years ago, I went through three therapists that just did not hit the mark. You know, at first thought, I thought I needed, you know, a uh, a person of color. I needed a black woman. I needed somebody just like me. And I realized very quickly that just because we may have had the same cultural 
background, we were not the same in regards to our lifestyles and how we looked at life. She was very religious based. I am not, um, you know, I'm very spiritual. There is a difference. And I felt like in every session and every discussion, you know, she was throwing out Bible verses and this, and that's great. And like I, I told her, I said, listen, Jesus is cool, but can we get him on the main line now? Like, is he going to pull up today? <laughs> like, do like, does he have a direct number? Because if not, that doesn't help me. Right. And so, you know, I, I then I found somebody else, an older gentleman, and he was very scientific based, but not into the emotional piece. Right. So mm -hmm. it was a lot of statistics and facts that he threw, which as an ed educator, I loved, but that didn't assist me. Right. If I'm discussing maybe childhood trauma, you telling me the statistics of, you know, the the last uh, medical book you read does not assist me whatsoever. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that didn't work out. So I tell people all the time finding the correct therapist or counselor is really like finding the perfect size shoe. You have to find really what fits for you. Mm -hmm. And I found that and I'm so very thankful for her um, because she allows me to express what I'm feeling, but she gives me thoughtful feedback. She gives me a way to think about it. She doesn't negate my feelings or my thoughts or even the different, the many different thoughts I've come up with. But she does give me a different perspective. And that allows me to take a beat, kind of depict it apart and see exactly where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of, you know, therapist that I needed that may not work for somebody else. But I think it's really important to do your research. If this if the person you find, if they allow maybe having a pre-conversation with them just to learn them. Because you want this person that's going to be with you on this journey to know the ins and outs of you, not the perceived notion of you. Right. Um, and that's really important as you find that right fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I, I try to let people know that as they get in contact with me, you know, me being a, a therapist of, of like, yeah, totally. Like, when they let me know, you know, I'm not just talking to to you. I'm talking to some other therapists right now. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, for sure, you for know? sure. Like, don't don't allow me to be your only outlet, right? And that's right. something that my therapist has been so revolutionary about. I need to think that as a concept, mm -hmm. right? She's like, don't just utilize me. Utilize. I, so I listen to obviously a lot of podcasts. That's how you and I connected, you know, but utilize the books that you read. Again, I'm, I'm a nerd. I read books like nobody's business. Utilize the things that you've written in your journal because yeah. it all helps you go back to center to see what may be the root of the problem. And a lot of times she tells me, I'm just here as a co-pilot. Mm hmm to help you get to your destination. You're the pilot, right? right? You're making all the decisions. But what I'll do is give you another way to think about the map mm -hmm. that you may have designed, right? right? And that helps me because I have control in it, mm -hmm. right? It's no tug of war. It's just her kind of relaying some things that connect that I didn't even think connected. So then I can say, okay, I see where puzzle piece A 
fits in puzzle piece B or why this triangle isn't fitting in this circle. It right. allows me in real time to kind of pick apart what really is at the root of the issue. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's the kind of person you want in your healing journey. You don't want yeah. somebody to beat you down or tell you you're wrong or, or you know, discredit your, your experiences or your feelings. You want someone to give you possibly a different way to look at it. Right. Right. And some helpful tools. So if it comes up again, you don't respond in the unhealthy way that you did before. Yeah. And everyone is like you. I love your examples of the two therapists that you met with before the one you're with now, because, yeah, we're all different. <laughs> we're all different. Yes. We all have yes. different styles. It's we all have different. Cutter. Yeah, it's not cookie cutter, you know, and and again, it's no diss to, you know, the priors before because they were all amazing in their own right. They just weren't right for me. Yeah, but they're right for you someone know? out there. But they're right know? for some. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing your experience with finding your therapist, because I think that people feel sometimes maybe pressured to like, you pick one and you have to stick with it. And it, and it's like, no, if we're not vibing, yeah. then I don't want you to keep wasting your money and your time. Like go, go find yeah. someone else, go find someone else yeah. because it, it, this is your healing journey and that's, what's most important. So thank Absolutely. you for sharing that. So this has been a, such a great conversation, Shelby. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we end, how can people get in contact with you if they're interested in connecting with you and utilizing your services? Absolutely. So I have an Instagram and I also have a my email. I'm working on my website. It has been slow in coming. Um, but my email is actually my first and last name. So it's Shelby, S-H-E-L-B-Y, the letter C, and then Presley, P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y, at gmail.com. And then my now, for those that are on Instagram, we have now the thread which has been super cool. Um, you can find me on threads. Um, and then also my handle on Instagram, which is the same as threads, which is honeybee1018. Um, so for those that would like to drop me a line, I am all for it. And even if you want to maybe just have a conversation to see really what wellness avenue works for you, I always like to, before I bring on a new client, um, I like for them to just have a quick 30 minute conversation just to see what area, right? What pillar of wellness may be the best thing for you. So, yeah. Perfect. Okay, great. Yeah. I will put all of that in the show notes. So listeners can have a quick click on your email and to see your Instagram handle. And awesome. yeah, I'm so grateful again for you joining me today and having this conversation. It was so much fun. And I will probably for sure be asking you to come back on sometime in the future to continue diving into wellness because I'm all about it. <laughs> Let's do it. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for, you know, allowing me to share my story and, you know, just remind people, not just women, but men too, that really digging into your wellness is important and doing what's best for you is what's best for you. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Shelby, again. And listeners, I will talk to you next time. Bye.